This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Spreading freedom across the nation. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Team Buck, welcome to the Freedom Hut. Freestyle Friday is here. It's a beautiful day in New York City. It's like springtime here. I gotta say, I don't know what is going on, but I'm. You could walk around in a T-shirt and and jeans right now in the, in the streets of New York, which is nice. I hopefully it's uh, lovely wherever you are. Uh some news bits we'll get into today. Also, of course, since it's a Freestyle Friday, we've just got some interesting folks who will be joining at different stages of the show in order to tell us about, well, you'll have to wait and see. All kinds of interesting stuff. Uh, but the, the most interesting, the most interesting uh, bits from the news cycle in the last 24 hours is what we'll, we'll start off the show with today. And you've got more on the Trump-Russia dossier. First off, uh, there's now uh, all of this uh, crowing. People seem very excited, especially over at uh, CNN, my former employer. Uh, they seem very, and for those of you who are wondering, I, I, I could have stayed. I, I chose to, uh, how, did, how did Gwyneth Paltrow and, and her husband, they consciously uncoupled? I consciously uncoupled with CNN, appreciate the opportunity, but I just I wanted to go pursue other things for a while. Uh, So I don't know. There's some reporting about other people at CNN that have been recently cut or let go. That happens at the end of every year. There are contributors that don't get re-signed. I was offered a re-signing and I respectfully and politely and gratefully declined. So CNN, uh, they have a lot of. A lot of anchors who seem to be very excited that they were backed up in their initial reporting on the Trump dossier. You have Biden coming out saying that the intel agencies told them first before they told Trump, hey, we're going to tell the president elect about this. And of course, Biden says that Obama Obama said that this doesn't have anything to do with anything. I don't understand why we would be, or I, I don't <laughs> I don't see why we would believe oh yeah something that's really damaging to Trump I'm sure Obama and Biden were like I get this away from me it's so dirty I don't I don't want to touch it I find that hard to believe uh, this is what Biden said and this, this is according to the AP in an interview that he just gave uh, he said that I think it's something that obviously the the agency thinks they have to track down it surprised me that it made it to the point where the agency, the FBI, thought they had to pursue it. What, this is there are a few questions that are still out there for me, and I, I would like to get answers. I don't think I will, but the questions themselves are important to state 
at this point. Why was this something that made its way all the way into a presidential briefing, which also has now been confirmed by the vice president, which is strange. They shouldn't be talking about what is being told to the president-elect in closed-door classified settings. This is, I don't know if they're calling it the PDB, or, but this is a PDB-level interaction with the intelligence community. you got DNI, uh, an entire office just created as the focal point for intelligence from the 17 now agencies, because now they count the DNI as its own agency. He's talking to the president-elect, and the vice president is telling the press what was contained in that briefing in terms of subject matter, not in terms of classified information specifically. But that's not appropriate. So why is there's a lot of whys here, and I wanted to state them because the narrative the media is running with is we were most of the media. BuzzFeed has got egg on its face. BuzzFeed is going to have to do a lot of cat videos to get people to forget about this. But the rest of the media saying that that was covering the stories, they're claiming that they were correct. They're real news. The fake news charge was wrong and hurtful. It's very hurtful. And everything is fine. And they're going to continue to hold uh, hold Trump team accountable. And they're going to do everything that they can in order to make sure that they speak truth to power. Yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. But there are some un- unanswered questions that I have for the intel agencies as well as for the media that is reporting on this information Uh, first of all why would unsubstantiated rumors that now the current head of mi6 is blasting this guy this former uh, this former british intelligence agent for taking this on and and being a being a clown essentially uh, being involved in this process at all uh, MI6 bosses are furious with this guy, Steele, who is talking about this. I think that's his name, right? Where does it go? Yeah, Steele, who some people are claiming is like James Bond. First of all, anybody who ever, everyone who works in intelligence and makes any reference to themselves in any way as being similar to James Bond. And I remember seeing Valerie Plame's husband doing the same thing. I think he said on The Daily Show once, oh, she knows how to wield an AK-47. Please, son. Nonsense, okay? I don't know. He knows how to wield a computer and how to do spreads for Vanity Fair because she's so concerned about her cover being blown. What a joke. Uh, but Steele is somebody that now, if you look at The Daily Mail, is being compared to by some of his friends to James Bond, which is always nonsense. Um, there's the gulf between... What you see in a J- any James Bond movie and what an intelligence officer actually does is so enormous as to be almost completely unrelated. They're unrelated to each other. So that's already a huge red flag that this guy is is a borderline fantasist. So uh, that's a problem. But for the intel communities, or the intel community, I should say, the various agencies to get this information into this briefing, why? What did they think that this was going to do? And I know that people are saying, oh, well, Buck, maybe they believed some of it. Why not then just include the parts of it that they could verify and pull out the parts that they couldn't? Why just present the whole mishmash to the president-elect in any form? Or give a summary of it, as they say. What's the point of that? 
you'd have to you have to wonder why would they do that? Why would they give the president a summary of information that has already been some of it disproven? And yeah, people are saying that the rest of it rings true with regard to how Russia conducts these kinds of compromise operations, but that doesn't mean that they compromise Trump. So the judgment here to me seems to be way off. They present this information, which do, which has been out there, and everyone's saying it was in D.C. for months. The Clinton campaign didn't touch it. Keep that in mind. The Clinton campaign that I believe directly coordinated with, what was it, NBC or whomever it was that released the video of Trump or the audio of Trump with Billy Bush, uh, that was... I, I can promise you that there were contacts there, there was coordination there that nobody wants to admit or talk about and we'll never find out about. But the Clinton team didn't touch this stuff. And we know they'll play as dirty as dirty can be. But it would have backfired on them. So the intelligence community is sharing with Trump something that the Clinton team and the New York Times and many other news organizations thought was too flimsy to even write about or mention publicly. I used to write for the PDB. I ran the intelligence community's briefing for the president and principals on more than, well, more than one occasion because it sounds like I'm inflating. I did it twice. I'm not sure if anybody younger had done it at that point in time, but I did run that briefing. So I, I have some idea what I'm talking about here. I, I love the people on Twitter who are like, maybe you should learn what an intelligence briefing is. Hmm. Maybe I did. <laughs> I, love the, I love the random social media advice I get on, you know, maybe you should learn something about how the intelligence community operates, jerk. Yeah, I'll work on that. So I know what's included in the president's intel folder. I used to write for it. It was a primary part of my job, and I actually went through the process of presenting it on two separate occasions uh, myself, the entirety of the book, or I'm sorry, the main thrust of the book, the deep dive is what we used to call it, not the entirety of it. Um, but I also knew what would go into the book on a regular basis, the book, the PDB, the President's Daily Briefing. So you have many news outlets, no information, won't print it, won't talk about it, know that it's junk, but the intel community is going to share it with the president-elect I know people get it, and then they always get you on the they get you on the details. If you say anything that's not a hundred percent technically true, even if it's true in in general, oh well, Buck, they didn't they didn't give him the thirty five page. Why are they giving him a summary even then of the thirty five page? What's the point? He doesn't need the intel community to tell him this stuff is out there. And if you're Donald Trump and you think all this stuff is crap and totally untrue, what do you think of your intel community saying there are these rumors out there? Do you think that the CIA, the FBI, the NSA, do you think any of these agencies were writing reports on theories that President Obama wasn't born in Hawaii, wasn't a U.S. citizen? Do you think they presented him with that? Which by the way, would have invalidated his presidency, of course, right? So that, you could say, is a very clear national security concern. But no, of course not. Of course not. That would never happen. That would have been wildly insulting. They weren't going to do that. But they're going to present Trump with this. And now we get into the why. And keep in mind, these are savvy, sneaky people that are involved in all of this, particularly on the media side, but also on the intelligence community side. Think of the intelligence community as a bunch of classified journalists, and you'll be right most of the time. 
when you're talking about the analysts and those who present the information. There's a lot of different kinds of jobs. But when you're looking at analysis from the intel community, journalists working in the classified realm, that's what they are. So they tend to be left of center, as I've told you before. And there is a ethos among them, uh, the sneakiness. So a lot of the time, not all the time, a lot of the time. So they present this information that doesn't make any sense. And then somehow word of the information being presented gets to a whole bunch of media outlets who spread the story that, well, Trump was briefed on this. And then within 24, and then a fight breaks out over, well, how would you know that? And that's on unsor- And why are you giving, why are you bringing this up? And why is that a news story? And then Vice President Biden comes out and says, oh, yeah, no, we were told about this. And we were told that it was going to be briefed to Trump. So clearly it was. So they're verifying that news. They're verifying that leak to the news. That's what Vice President Biden is doing here. Now, what purpose does any of this serve? This is why I know I've been spending some time with you on this now, and you've been hearing about it all week, but think this through with me. What purpose does it serve? To report that there's a summary of unverified reports included in a classified setting briefing for the president-elect of the United States. Of course what that does is create the perception without officially owning it or stating it or getting into the details that there's something to the Russia dossier because the intel community decided to include it in a briefing with what they thought was other really important stuff. And the person or persons who leaked that it was included by the intel community to the media knew that. And the media knew that the 35 pages, which couldn't be verified, otherwise they would have run with the story all summer, every day, day in and day out, knew that it's actually better to just say that it was included because then it leaves it open to interpretation for anybody out there who wants to cling to, well, some of it is true, most of it is true, who knows how much of it is true, but the intel community gave it to Trump. So there must be something there. And now we have DNI Clapper with these sort of vague statements of, well, we just we include lots of stuff for the president. They chose this one. If you were Donald Trump right now, which I know is this is a weird thought experiment. This is how you would see all of it. You're having your first meetings with people who are about to become your employees. They work for the executive branch and he is the chief executive of the executive branch. And someone either from the Intel community side or the White House or the Senate is passing along information from what are supposed to be private, classified, closed-door briefings to the media that allows them to inflate a story that should be a non-story while claiming to be sticking to journalistic principles. Wouldn't you feel like there was some sort of conspiracy happening here just because there are conspiracy theorists everywhere doesn't mean there's no such thing as a conspiracy this is what they don't want the public to figure out reporting on the summary of the 35 pages of crap info is a means of insinuating without actually saying that there must be something to those 35 pages 
And now you have to also ask the question, the intel community taking those 35 pages and summarizing them and presenting them to Trump, were they doing him a favor or were they setting him up? Because this information should never have been included in that briefing. Who cares? Bam. We just did it, team. We'll be right back. Buck Sexton. The Blaze Radio Network. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Listening to the Buck Sexton Show only on the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton here. We have phone lines open 888-900-3393. Patrick in Kansas, what's up? Hey, Buck. Great to talk to you again. I have a movie quote for you. It Great. is: "I'm not into politics. I'm into survival." It's kind of an obscure one, so I'll give you I a mean, hint. <laughs> I mean, we yeah, we, we, we got to get a little bit more of the iconic quote going. I, I'm not into politics. Yeah. I'm into survival. That's is, is this like an aside was, from somebody who's playing a member of the Joint Chiefs of Staff in some movie or something? Or what, what is it? I mean, it's like it sounds like it could be clear and present danger or something. But what is it? Right. To add context, um, he was going to be a contestant, and his name was. Ben, the butcher of Bakersfield, Richards. Um, Running is man. this the Schwarzenegger movie where he's like in a big yeah. game show? I'm forgetting yeah. the name of it, but I know the movie. Running Man. All right. Yeah. I'm close enough. Running Fair man. enough. <laughs> yeah. um, I, and what else I'm do you got for me? Fan, but I'm a huge Thank fan. You. I listen to you as, as much as I can. I listen, well, you're a uh, scholar and a gentleman with fantastic taste. Um, yeah, I, I even go hunting with my dogs, uh, pheasant hunting. I listen on Bluetooth. So, but I, uh, I called in this last summer and I mentioned Yuri Bezmenov and, and I, and I've heard you mention him a couple of times here recently as well. And I just find it, um, I don't, I don't know, insulting. And I, I think you just nailed the, uh, what's happening in the media where they can dance around this thing and make insinuations. I listened on NPR yesterday and they're telling us how Russian disinformation uh, works. And it's just, again, it's insulting. And if we really want to know how that works, we consult again, Yuri Bezmenov's um, KGB defection. And what was that? The late seventies, early eighties. Mm-hmm. And and so when I called you this summer, I said I found society ill-equipped, and because even my we've got friends, one minute here, my friends, so we got to speed it up. 
they'll consider themselves more pious, more informed, more intelligent, and yet when it comes down to it, they're just more brainwashed. So I wanted to ask you, what do you believe is required in society to have this shift in philosophy? I think people like you and Crowder and you had Shapiro on, you guys are these young thoroughbreds. So I wanted to get your take on that. How do we turn this all around, basically? Wait, do we lose? Where did Patrick go? Oh, yeah. he's gone. Um, Patrick, I don't have time to answer that right now. Maybe I'll take on the flip side. Thank you for calling. Um, I What? Hello? All right, team, back in a few minutes. This is the Buck Sexton Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Phone lines open, team. It's Freestyle Friday, so let's talk. 888-900-3393. It is Friday the 13th today. I don't know how many of you are superstitious. It's always funny to me. You can say you're not superstitious, and then you start to push somebody on things, and I feel like everyone is on a bit of a scale when it comes to superstition. Eventually, you'll get to a place where they would feel uh, like they're just they're uncomfortable. Uh, you know, if I said to you, do you believe in in voodoo? Uh, may, a lot of you, I'm sure, would say no, even though act- actual voodoo people now. I think there's been a, an effort to rehabilitate the image, but it's uh, some practices of Christianity that were mixed with indigenous animist practices. And there's other aspects of it that come into play and who really knows voodoo now is is a uh, haiti which is the main place where voodoo comes from and is is well known uh they're saying that it's there's nothing sort of nefarious the black magic all that stuff is not necessarily true okay fine but if i told you that there was a voodoo doll or if i told you that you could go into a, a satanist church and w- would you desecrate all the maybe you would because it's a satanist church but i'm just saying you push people on these things if i told you that somebody was taking a voodoo doll of you and stabbing it would you at least have a moment of "Ooh, that's a little that's a little strange or if i said to you before they had rehabilitated it would you stay in the ruins of, of what was the harlem valley psychiatric center where they used to perform lobotomies and there was a prison for the mentally insane and it was left in total disarray those of you who spend any time in the area of new york city and drive up to uh, Dutchess County, you tend to pass it on uh, Route 22. Uh, you'll see this enormous complex there, and I would we would always I talk to my brothers and friends and other people that knew what I was talking about, and I'd say, okay, you, nothing's going. Would you feel a little weird staying in the imba- in the abandoned asylum for the criminally insane overnight? It's been out of use for forty or fifty years now. Just decay, windows all broken. You know, you start. It starts to creep you out. Look, there's a reason why. There's that back of the neck, hair goes up feeling that you get from different things. I don't find the number thirteen to be particularly. And I, of course, now as I'm saying this to you, 
I'm like, am I going to leave my apartment today? Am I really going to wander around the streets of New York? I should probably stop talking about this, you know, jinxing myself or something. I just bring it up because of the historical origins. I, I find this to be an interesting, uh, an, an interesting discussion. I'm always looking for reasons to talk about history. Of course, there's the Friday the 13th movies, which I have seen parts of, but do not strike me as timeless classics. Then again, I'm not a horror movie guy. So maybe some of you have different thoughts on whether the... I think they made eight of them. There's a lot of Friday the 13th movies. But why is it considered unlucky? There's a word for it. Psychologists have a word for fear of Friday the 13th. It is parascavetacatriophobia. Parascavetacatriophobia. That is fear of Friday the 13th. And yes, try to say that 10 times real fast. Uh, Friday the 13th is considered an unlucky day, and there are a whole bunch of different theories about this. And some of you, I appreciate the Facebook messages about this. It is not, uh, there's not a universally accepted explanation for it. I'll give you some of the most common ones. The, there are supposed to be biblical origins to this. Uh, some historians have said that the day on which Eve bit or uh, took a bite of the apple from the tree of knowledge is tied to it. Uh, in the New Testament, there were 13 people present for, for the Last Supper, and Judas is considered the 13th to show up for that very fateful dinner right before Christ's crucifixion on Good Friday. So Christ was crucified on a Friday. You also have that to add into it. Uh, on This is a very popular one when people are looking for the explanation on Friday the 13th, 1307, Philip IV of France arrested hundreds of the Knights Templar. He wanted their wealth. The Knights Templar had become a very wealthy order. Uh, you, If you haven't seen Kingdom of Heaven, it's a very well-produced Ridley Scott movie. I find it a little annoying that, of course, the, the Christians are really the bad guys and the Muslims are just coming, coming and doing their thing and taking back what was theirs. They had had Jerusalem for a while, but not that long. It belonged to other people before that. Always interesting. You could also read the the book, The Crusades, through Arab eyes. Or is it through Muslim eyes? I'm actually forgetting right now the title. But it gives you the perspective of the Muslim world on the Crusades. And it just so happens to start with these guys showing up out of nowhere and taking these cities. And it was all, everything was, it was all good till these Crusaders showed up. They skipped the whole part of constant warfare between various Turkish princes in what is now what was the Anatolian Peninsula. Uh, they skipped the seizure of major cities from the Eastern Orthodox Christian Empire, the, the inheritors of the Roman Empire and its legacy, uh, Byzantium or Constantinople as the capital city. They sort of skip over all that and the conquest of these areas that were Christian. They were Christian first, and then they became Muslim. How did that happen? Not just through, hey, this new religion sounds really cool. Sign me up. But I digress. Uh, so 1307, but there's a Knights Templar in that. Uh, Knights of St. John or Knights, Knights, Knights uh, Hospitaller are in it as well. Um, so, yeah, check that out. In the Da Vinci Code, Dan Brown also looks at the 14th century execution of Jacques de Molay, who was a grand uh, who was a Templar grandmaster. 
That happened on Friday the 13th. And before he was executed, he cursed the Pope and the King of France, Philip IV. And so that was when the curse perhaps came down upon all of us. Telegraph and a bunch of other UK papers have, a, have good uh, rundowns of this. It is also possible, according to the, t- the Telegraph here, that the publication in 1907 of Thomas W. Lawson's popular novel Friday the 13th played a part in disseminating the superstition. Uh, an unscrupulous stockbroker takes advantage of superstition to create a Wall Street panic on Friday the 13th. That's just from a book. Uh, but 13 as a number, for those of you who believe in numbers as having, being in and of themselves meaningful, uh, 13 was considered unlucky even before the life of Jesus. 12 has been historically considered the number of completeness, according to the Telegraph here. 12 months of the year, 12 gods of Olympus, 12 hours on the clock. 13 is bad. Of course, in many buildings, they won't have a 13th floor. My building doesn't have a 13th floor. It just has a, a roof instead of 13. Uh, roof area, or not a roof, but a upper... Whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, Judas was the 13th guest to sit down at the Last Supper, as I said. Chaucer referred to Friday the 13th in the Canterbury Tales as unlucky. And there are some other reasons. And then people just start picking out the bad things that have happened on Friday the 13th as a reason for this. So I don't know how superstitious you are, but people don't buy as many homes on Friday the 13th as compared to other Fridays of the same month. People do not get married on Friday the 13th in the same numbers as they do on other Fridays of the month. It is definitely something that factors into our thinking. Superstition is a fascinating area of the mind. Because as I said, I know so many people, oh, I'm not superstitious about anything. If you push them, eventually people will get superstitious about something, I think, usually. And it depends on how serious the, the stakes are in any given situation. So that's where you get people that say things like knock on wood or fingers crossed and all these things that we do that become a part of the culture. These are all just superstitions. And if you look at them culturally around the world, superstitions have have had a big impact on the way people view and do any number of things. Because there is this part of the mind that tends towards mysticism and what is not able to be explained and this also then factors into uh, tarot card reading and numerology and astrology and some would say different religions. Some would even say all religions. I'm not one of them, but people do say that. And there we have it. 888-900-3393. It's Friday the 13th, but it'll be a good day and a lucky day if I hear from some of you. We can also do action movie quote Friday. I do ask as we hone in on our action movie quotes that we try to get quotes that are uh Recogn- that are well known from the movie that would be the only proviso that I'd put in here so if you call me with a quote from Commando that's a waiter asking would you like a glass of water I probably won't get that one even if it comes from the movie Commando which is clearly a fantastic action film 888-900-3393 team we will be right back Freestyle Friday is rocking. this is the Buck Sexton Show the Blaze Radio Network This is the Buck Sexton Show. 
We got Brian in Pennsylvania on the line. What's up, Brian? Brian? Hey, hey, Bob. Oh, is second it? time. Oh, wait. Second, second. Hey, yeah. Bob, second time caller, long time listener. Uh, just Thank first you. First off, I uh, wanted to commend you. Uh, I've been messing up scrambled eggs my whole life, and your advice the other day low heat, more butter made them perfect this morning. See? I, I I just I just come bearing good news, Teen. That's what I do. And by the way, if you're if you ever feel like your hair is dry and too poofy, use less shampoo, less often. Hair tips, egg <laughs> tips, I got them all, baby. So, action quote of the day. Yep. All of your ridiculous, pitiful antics aren't going to change a thing. You and me were puppets in the same sick game. We serve the same master, and he's a lunatic, and he's ungrateful. But there's nothing we can do about it. You and me, we're the same. Under siege, Steven Seagal to Tommy Lee Jones, right before the knife fight, which is the best knife fight I think ever captured on film, certainly to that point in time. Under siege being Steven Seagal's best piece of work by a mile, and a fantastic yes, sir. quote, sir. Fantastic. <laughs> that's the, this is what I'm, that's an action movie quote. There we go. And by the way, it doesn't have to be just one line. It can be a, a few lines, as Brian just gave us from Pennsylvania. Under Siege is a great, a great movie for what it is. I mean, it's Die Hard. It's Die Hard on a battleship, but I'll take it. All right. I think we lost. Is that it? Okay, good. Brian, Shields High, thank you for calling in. Uh, what was like? Oh, one more thing. This is going to conclude my, my Trump uh Spy war on Trump analysis for the hour here. David Ignatius, a very well-known Washington Post columnist, wrote about how, and this got a lot of attention on the Twitter last night. I think Twitter is just the way that journalists annoy other journalists late at night. This is what I've decided. If it wasn't for that, I'm not sure it would exist anymore. Because all the celebrities are now going to Snapchat to just take constant photos of themselves. And they can also give updates about their day. So t- Twitter is now for journalists to try to one-up other journalists. And for people to give, ooh, the hottest of hot takes. Spicy, caliente hot takes. But uh, Washington Post guy Ignatius wrote that, quote, according to a senior U.S. government official, soon-to-be National Security Advisor Flynn, phoned Russian Ambassador Sergei Kizilyak. Sergei Kizilyak. It's fun to say. Several times on December 29th, the day the Obama administration announced the expulsion of 35 Russian officials as well as other measures in retaliation for the hacking. What did Flynn say and did it undercut the U.S. sanctions? He then writes, the Logan Act bars U.S. citizens from correspondence intending to influence a foreign government about disputes with the United States. Was its spirit violated? The Trump campaign didn't have a response. Well, actually, no, the Trump campaign does have a response. They added this in an update to the piece. A team member called Friday morning. The Trump official confirmed that Flynn had spoken with Kizilyak by phone, but said that the call was before sanctions were announced and didn't cover that topic. Spokesman said Flynn made an initial call, which was returned sometime between December 27th and early December 29th. In that call, Flynn and Kizilyak... Sorry, I'll stop doing that. It's kind of fun, though. Discuss plans for a Trump-Putin conversation sometime after the inauguration. I Let's talk about this for a second. How the heck did David Ignatius know that soon-to-be National Security Advisor Lieutenant General Michael Flynn called the Russian ambassador on that day? How would he know that? 
Someone explain this to me. Does, does Ignatius have moles in the Russian embassy? I mean, maybe, but if he does, wow. High five. Seems unlikely. Did, did Flynn leak this information? That's insane, so no. Why would he do that? The initial implication here was that Flynn, this is why he wrote about it, Flynn must have been trying to undermine Obama's actions against the Russians by the expulsion of those, dip, quote, diplomats, as we all know, quote, diplomats. Uh, but so that it was clearly meant to look bad for Flynn. So Flynn didn't let that information out there. It's a phone call. You have uh, Mark Zaid, who is uh, the most well-known guy in D.C. circles for dealing with issues of classification and defending people who write books when the government wants to pretend things are classified that aren't. He knows he knows that game backwards and forwards. He says, was this a leak of highly classified highly, highly classified intelligence? He posed the question, I just want to know. How did, how did Ignatius know that Flynn called the Russian ambassador on, on, on or around that day? I want someone to come up with a theory that doesn't involve a, a leak that, if it were real, would be very classified from the intel community. Yet another one. It, it, I, maybe I might be missing something. Maybe there was, you know, Flynn's secretary loves the Washington Post and she just happened to hear that he called her. But think that one through as well. What the heck is going on here, everybody? The Buck Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. 